come across one story that changed everything for me. It was from an 80 year old woman. And this was a big deal. Mm. She stopped gaming. She, <laughs> she pressed pause. That's a big deal. <laughs> and I just said to him, mate, you are never going to believe what happened to me when I was younger. Hi, like, <laughs> welcome to my new job. I'm Sophia. I was abused as a child. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Secrets Worth Sharing. Um, this episode is all about disclosure, which is about telling somebody that you've had the experience of child sexual abuse. I'm Sophia, I'm a designer and also a survivor of child sexual abuse and I'm joined by my friend Jeremy. Hi, my name is Jeremy. I raise awareness for child sexual abuse by creating content online, trying to grab the audience's attention on something that usually people turn away from. So let's talk a little bit about disclosure and what that actually means as a word. Um, because I certainly didn't even know that there was a word for, I used to say, coming out uh, mm. As, mm. as someone that experienced child sexual abuse. Before I spoke for the first time, I hadn't ever really thought about disclosure or speaking out or mm. breaking the silence, none of those things. And I think for the general public, it's actually very difficult to comprehend why that's so difficult mm. to disclose for the first time. It would be nice to just let people know that if they ever come to a situation where they're looking to disclose, that it's going to be okay for them to do that. Could you tell us a little bit more about what some of those barriers are for coming out about it the first time? I spoke for the first time when I was 27 years old mm. and there was a big build-up to that moment. I feel like there's a lot of barriers from a male perspective. As soon as you say it for the first time, there's no going back it really feels like it's going to change everything. And, and in some ways it does, because the person that you're telling, for me, it was one of my best friends. That relationship dynamic does change because they know something about your history that's very dark. Yeah. Not necessarily, it doesn't break it down or anything. It just changes things. There is no reversing it, right? And that is pretty scary. Not just that, there was, for me personally, uh, the abuse that I went through when I was a child was from another man, mm -hmm. sexual abuse. And there is a slight embarrassment that that happened. It's disgusting, a man on a boy. At 27, I'm saying to myself in my head, like, I like girls, not men. It's so much complication. And now, of course, we know from looking at it from this perspective, I was a child that was manipulated and tricked into doing something. He'd made, very cleverly made, me think was normal or our secret. Mm. Um, so it's nothing to do with me but it still feels like it's to do with me. So there's plenty of barriers. For some predators, when they get the person to take part in an act, it's like, well, you're no longer passive. You're no longer right. on the receiving end of this thing. You've actually, you're part of it okay. now. And that okay. can really add to a barrier yeah. too. I think that adds to the confusion of it. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, when you start thinking about yourself as a child, you are so heavily tricked into doing those things. So then you start thinking as an adult, well, did that mean that I liked it? Did that mean it was my fault? Did that mean I actually instigated it? It's so complicated. So my, my abuse, I guess, was what a lot of people often think of as kind of the classic situation. A male predator, me as a young girl, a child. I felt very duty-bound. Uh, my abuse happened in my family. I felt very confused because I thought, oh, is this, is this some way of showing love? I felt my way of love was to keep quiet about what happened because I was like, well, if it's just me and this person going through this thing, I'm not breaking a marriage by coming out. I'm not 
grossly upsetting different members of my family, the children involved, like their homes aren't broken. Our family still gets to have this, Ill not illusion, we are a happy family, but there's that front Understood, of like, yeah nothing's going wrong, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, gradually, 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 I started to realize, hmm, this actually is not just affecting me. There's quite a strong possibility that the person will do this again to other people right. in my family. When I decided that I was going to break this silence of 20 odd years, yeah. I didn't, those thoughts about the family setting and how this was gonna disrupt people around me, I hadn't thought that deeply into it. I did later. But what happened for me was the abuse, sexual abuse went on from eight years old to 10 years old. Mm. And then the guy that was doing it moved away. And I didn't really think anything of him moving away. I didn't really recognize that he'd moved away. I just continued my life. An energetic, confident young boy, slightly cheeky, outspoken in class. Yeah. Like I was showing no signs, yeah. right? Done, finished school, finished college, got a really good career, was excelling in, in my career. And then at 25, everything changed and the memories came back. I didn't like that because I thought, why now? You know, we've been good all this time. Now I'd never actually forgotten about what happened. Something would come up on the news that would remind me of it, or somebody would say something in conversation that would remind me of it, but I just didn't care. You know, I was, I was having a good time. We were partying at the weekends, me and the boys, like everything was going so well. Yeah. But now it had changed. I was angry that the memories were back and I thought, well, look, you just ignore them and then they'll just dissolve. But I tried that for two years and they just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's when I knew I needed to do something different. The conclusion that I came to was I should tell one of my mates. And I don't know where that came from because it wasn't like I was following anybody who talked about abuse mm. online. And he was friends with me at the time the abuse was going on, right? But of course didn't know. And I just said to him, mate, you are never gonna believe what happened to me when I was younger. And like he could have guessed 1,000 times <laughs> and he wouldn't have got anywhere <laughs> close. Yeah, yeah. Right? Of course, he was completely shocked. He was sad, he was frustrated, he was angry, but he didn't panic. He gave me space to talk and he listened. And that was so, so important for me. Did you always know it was going to be this particular friend? Um, no, I am very, very lucky. It's been the rock throughout my life and continues to be. That group of friends that I met in the playground on my first day of my new school when I was seven, mm. like I still know all of them now. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'm 37, 30 years later. Wow. I mean, we can't believe it. I'm very fortunate to have had a selection of people that I could have told. Now, I know not everybody is as fortunate as that. As that. And I, my heart always goes out to those people. Thankfully, we have the internet now where, where there's some brilliant platforms people have built that you can speak. But it was a real significant moment, like speaking out for the first time. It was like release, weight off my shoulders. I felt strong. And I think the confidence was the thing that I could have never guessed. And it really gave my life another like a newfound energy snap i had abuse at eight till ten as well oh. and then it stopped okay i had actually told a couple of friends at school this is the thing i was disclosing to other children wow. so what's what's the other child gonna know what to say in that right. situation right. i had a friend that i used to go sleepovers with all the time and she was <laughs> she's very much a tomboy and we always used to play fifa on the <laughs> playstation and that's not me <laughs> i used to just watch and be like this is great and then one day i was just really really bored and then I said to her, oh, like, do you ever have it where, like, somebody that you know and trust, like, touches you? Oh, wow. Like, I was trying to really downplay yeah, yeah, it because yeah. I was like, oh, I was yeah. testing the water yeah. myself, isn't it? 
and this was a big deal. Mm. She stopped gaming. She, she pressed pause. <laughs> That's the big deal. <laughs> so she pressed pause and she went, Sophia, you really should tell somebody oh, about wow. that. This friend, I was quite a chill friend. Like we didn't really talk deep about anything. And for her to react that way, I was like, whoa. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was just like, sometimes at night times and story times like this happens. And I wasn't sure if you heard this. And she was like, that doesn't happen to me. And if you get older and this carries on, it might get worse and worse and worse. Like you should tell someone. Okay. Carried on playing FIFA. <laughs> then I got home the next day. This was back in the day of land, land phones. Yes. And then my dad was like, oh, your friend's calling wants to speak to you and then she said did you did you tell somebody I know amazing right yeah and I was not ready and I just went I was joking I made it oh, all up wow. I didn't say anything I don't know what you're talking about and then we never ever ever spoke about it ever again okay so that was the first time wow. and then another one was a dear dear friend like we basically grew up together as family and again a child the same age as me mm. when it was all going on mm. and I just said oh like sometimes this happens to me and she just went and then we just walked home. Okay. You can't blame them. And I certainly didn't as children Absolutely. because we're children. Absolutely. We were literally eight Absolutely. years old. And like we'd never had that conversation. But like I experimented a lot with fake email addresses and disclosing to different charities. But one thing for me was questioning whether or not I'd even been abused. I wasn't raped in that sense. Mm. I didn't have this happen, this mm. happen, that like all these things that online was telling all the signs right. of abuse. I was like, so is this even the case? And I wrote down every uncomfortable feeling, every touch, anything I could remember. And I sent it to these charities and every single one came back and said, yes, you have been abused as a child. For me, just to have that validation yes. was enough. Held that with me for a while, disclosed to like a couple of friends at school. My first boyfriend knew as well. And what age are you at this point, roughly? 14. Okay. When I eventually told my family, and this is the age at 18. And okay. only, by the way, because my abuser had abused someone else. Right. That person's parents went straight to the police. Right. And it was the seed I needed. Right. Like, if that hadn't have happened with that other child, I don't even know if to this day I would have even come, okay. come out about yeah. it. But that same feeling, it felt like my entire body had just bleeded yeah, out. It was phenomenal. amazing. Yeah, phenomenal. And I felt so good. And I was very aware that I felt so good at the expense of sharing that burden with other people and like now causing all these thoughts and pain right. to them. But it felt shared and I knew that they were held by other people. And it wasn't all just me like painting yeah, this up yeah. together. So I was at a situation where a lot of family members wanted to like tell, take this straight to the police and another group completely didn't as well, wanted to keep it under wraps. But we already had that entryway because of the, uh, the original person who wasn't related to us, who disclosed about mm. my abuser. All of a sudden I was going through a court case where I was really distanced from it. Sometimes I'd had to go and tell my story. What it did do was it made it so much easier to tell other people with every disclosure, it got easier, Amazing. you know? Yeah. Every single time, it was like ripping off a band-aid. <laughs> Somebody who I interviewed on my YouTube channel, she was a neuroscientist, and she said mm. that what a lot of children do is because this um, sexual abuse situation is so horrific, what the brain cleverly does is it puts it in a box, locks the block box and puts it to the back of your mind. Mm. Now it can't get rid of it completely, that's impossible. And then you continue your, your life until you start to get to a stage in life where you're ready to start dealing with it. And then what your brain does, because you have to process it. So what your brain does is it starts bringing it, the box to the front of your mind and just starts opening it. 
little bit by little bit. And that's one of the reasons why people who are confused about why it's taking so long for people to, to speak out. I've heard some quite saddening responses of, it couldn't have been that bad, he waited 20 years to say something. You know, on the majority, a lot of the responses has been really good. Yeah. But I have also been exposed to some really like horrific, frustrating and annoying yes. things. And just like you, I have to really take my mind back and go, the conversation on this is so immature that they don't even have the right words of support to offer or it might be triggering something within them yes. as well. So every disclosure got easier and handling every bad response got easier. Yes. I think for me, the next biggest moment was then deciding that I wanted to come out about it publicly. Right. So the first thing I did was I was entering this like comic book design competition and I chose to illustrate the moment where it took us three years to all sit down as an entire family to actually talk about what had happened. Oh, wow. Because everyone was avoiding it. And it got, it started to get a little bit of traction and... I was also kind of testing the water because I was like, will this platform ever reach my family? And obviously it didn't. It was comic book. Yeah. And that's when I started doing like a longer, like little zine comic book about it. And that eventually led to this. I very much feel ownership of this story and what happened to me. But I can't ignore the fact that disclosing also means certain members of my family, even without me saying this relation, that relation, that whatever. I very much feel the duty of staying silent. But at the same time, it's getting that balance between people's privacy and respect mm. and what I see as a monumental social issue, trying to make sure these conversations are handled better. Yeah. Once I'd had all of these conversations over a five-year period, I then started getting interested in like what was going on out there. And that's when I started researching online. I just started typing keywords into Google. Mm. And I come across Facebook groups, chat rooms, and websites. Thousands yeah. of people. I just started reading them, like reading everyone. I just couldn't believe it because I'd never really gone outside of my story before. I come across one story that changed everything for me. It was from an 80-year-old woman. Wow. And she had written that she comes from an era where you do not speak about this. You will not be heard, even if you try to. And she talks about how the suppression of her story had affected her whole life. And she's going to go to the grave with it all. And I literally couldn't believe it. Like I, I read the story again and again. And that's when I realised that actually I'm in a fortunate position because I come from an era where you can talk about these things. We can talk about it on social media even. We haven't even got to do it on pers in person. That's when I thought I should try and do something about this. And my idea was to take my story public. And that's when this all started. How was I going to take it public was my first question. And it was just coincidentally two weeks before I'd been to an open mic night. So an open mic night, you sign up on the door, you get five minutes on stage and you can do what you wish. You can play an instrument, you can sing, you can read poetry. And I thought I'd go as a storyteller. I booked onto my first event and I arrived early, signed up. I was third on the list. I went back downstairs and people started arriving. And I thought, what? <laughs> I just couldn't believe what I was doing. And I said to myself, you don't have to do this. But then I made a deal with myself and I said, just do it once. And if it doesn't work out, if you don't like it, never do it again. Mm. So the event kicked off. It was packed. The first two people went up and did their thing and they were singing and playing an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was me. Yeah. It was the scariest thing I've ever done. I got through my story, my little performance. I stumbled everywhere, but I got through it. And when I finished, everyone 
cheered. Wow. It was like there was a roar from the crowd. That gave me such a good feeling. I knew I was on the right path. When did it start to tr transition from like open mic onto the online platform? After that first event, I was yeah. like, I want more of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was signing up to every event that I could possibly find. Yeah. And I was really experimenting with different ways of telling the story. So I started playing around with things like um, putting music in the background. I, I did like some rhyming stuff. And like, I just tried to play around with different things. Yeah. I started recording my performances and putting them on Instagram. Then I kicked off a YouTube channel and put them on there because that was another video platform. And as I started posting each open mic performance, friends and family were, were following. I was writing posts about what open mics I was going to and how that one felt. And I had a couple of bad ones, but I was in a pub. They cut my microphone halfway through and said, no, 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 it's too much. But I was learning from all of these things because then I was like, oh, maybe I pushed the boundary too much there. Maybe they weren't ready for the way I was talking about. It. How can I talk about it in a softer way? Right, but still keep people's attention. So I was learning from every event. I was writing posts about all of these things, you know. And that's when the that's when my audience started growing online. I feel like that people who are not invested in this topic, they think that child sexual abuse is is some predator, like hurting the child and trapping the child and being violent to the child. I mean It's actually more rarely right. that. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's a soft grooming, trying to show connection, get that child wrapped around your little finger. Mm. They're not going to do that if they're physically hurting you, right? I was a very loud kid, right. a bit annoying, <laughs> loved the show, that kind of yeah. thing. They're very confident, happy, successful in a way that a lot of people tend to value, like traditionally, like did really well at school, yes. went to a really good uni, all right. of that stuff. Yep. And really interestingly, when I disclosed to some of the elders in my family, like a good family member said to me, when you are translating this and telling the story to the elders, you need to make sure that the fact you're successful does not mean that you're fine. And it sounds like such an obvious point, but I think in a lot of the culture and the context, on one side, we have the abuser and their family and they might, they might be struggling financially or they might be having a difficult time with this, that and the other. And on the other hand, you have a Cambridge educated, like really loud successful woman who's saying oh but actually I'm suffering like they don't they don't yeah. put two and two together yeah. one of the early people I told in my life when I was around 14 15 we went to school together um no bad blood there whatsoever because she was still a child herself mm. and just didn't know what to say or didn't really know how to support me and a lot of the time would just let me say my piece and then just move on and that you know that whatever that was fine but I remember one time I got a bit hurt because she said to me, oh yeah, like I told my mum and she was like, that's like, really yeah. bad. And I thought, and first of all, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I've not told a single adult in my life and you just telling mm. your mum like really calmly, mm. it's not your secret mm. to tell. I didn't say this to yes. And the second thing was the parent didn't say anything, didn't mm. check in with me, didn't mm. check in with my parents or mm. anything like that, didn't raise the alarm. And that was a worry for me mm. for a really long time, but nothing came of it. That friend is now a social worker. Okay. And is dealing wow. with people who have been abused yeah. as children. And she, God, it was a really emotional meetup because we hadn't seen each other in like seven years. Okay. And she was like, I really want to apologize to you. Wow. Because I didn't handle it properly. I didn't tell anyone. And a lot of the time I got a bit annoyed because like, mm. oh, she's bringing it up again. Okay. And we're just trying to have like girl time. Okay. She said, it just felt like you didn't want us around. Like you, what you had your goal, you wanted to get into a good uni and get your good grades. Right. And I wanted to like hang out and you didn't want to hang out. Right. And so me and the other friend just went and did our own thing. And I said, that's so interesting because for me, schoolwork was my distraction. Right. So I would like bury myself in books. And the reason why is because 
a lot of my abuse happened at sleepovers visiting various family and so my way of actively getting out of that situation was mm. to say I can't come I'm busy with school mm. what 11 year old is busy <laughs> yeah, with homework yeah, yeah, yeah. in the summer right yeah. I'm, like, I'm so busy <laughs> and then while, while all the others are off having fun I thought well I better make this make the most of this so I did actually start doing the schoolwork and then getting really into that mm. and that was my release mm. coming back full circle to what I said mm. The success of me doing well was in part, I believe, due right, to my abuse right. and trying to find a distraction, but okay. it also lost me friends. Mm. It also meant I had to find a whole new narrative. It also felt to me that my pain was believed less because of the other external factors in my life that looked good. Right, but also it's so complicated. It is really interesting to see the after effects. And that is why one of the most frustrating things that I hear from people, the whole, when are you gonna put this behind you and move on uh, comment. It's a, it is a complete lack of understanding. And, and instead of me getting angry and frustrated at that, at that person, I need to see the bigger picture and see that is just showing us how in the stone ages we are still with this subject. I'm going to make an assumption. Yeah. We're closer to the age of being parents yes. than we are to being the children yes, that were absolutely. abused. Of course, I find with every development of my life, with every new stage of my life, there has been a new element of this to think about. Right. To the point where, to that question of, the person who doesn't understand saying, when are you going to get over this? I don't think we ever will yeah. because there's always going to be something yeah. to grapple, but it's more having those tools, isn't it? To like talk about it and understand it better. Right. And you wouldn't say, when are you going to get over it and move on to any other horrific thing that happened in your childhood? If you had the unfortunate situation of a parent dying in your childhood, you'd never say, oh, but when are you going to get over it and move on? We understand that that continues with you your whole life very similar let's say you lost your mum when you were a child right then when you become a mum you're going to think about your mum right yeah. it's, it's never leaving you that response also comes from the fact that as human beings we may feel a little bit of guilt that this is happening in our world mm. and if you if I say to you but when are you going to move move on and forget about it and you say soon or I have that makes me feel well oh, that's good then rarely but it has happened that comment to me has sometimes come from other survivors oh okay because it's like well i got over what happened to me okay and i would deem what happened to me 10 times worse than what happened right, to you right. so why aren't you over it then yeah, yeah. fine like if you believe you've got through it then i'm genuinely happy for right. you like well done right. i personally would question if that is the case okay. but yeah. fine yeah. fine you say you've yeah. done it that's fine yeah but it doesn't erase the fact that societally it's not that case I believe when I'm disclosing, it's not. I'm past the point in my life where I need to get it off my chest. Mm. I have my support networks. I yeah. have my people. I know how to yeah. deal with my personal situation. I disclose a lot now because I feel like it is a duty to make these conversations more normalised. Right. The only regret I would have is that maybe within the past two years, I got a bit disclosure happy. Okay. Yeah, like, so, <laughs> hi, like, <laughs> welcome to my new job. I'm Sophia. I was abused as a child. <laughs> you know, sometimes people might be like, oh, why is she bringing this up in a space that is really inappropriate or whatever right. right i believe it's important to have these conversations in all settings yes. but it's the way that i go about yeah. that right so i've definitely still really happy with the level that i talk to people mm. about it but i think i wish two things one that i was more aware about how to tailor my conversations a bit differently based on the setting yes and the second one is to just be aware that the people i'm disclosing to might have also had that experience as well right and that leads us on yes. nicely to have you ever had an experience where you've told someone and then you found out that the same thing has happened to them? Okay, so I have never started speaking to someone about it and then them tell me immediately that it's also happened to them. Yeah. 
I'm pleased about that because I feel like it's, it's like any conversation. If you're telling me something very personal, it's not then about me making the conversation about me. Um, but I do believe like the statistics would show us that, you know, you speak to 10 people about your disclosure, you're at least speaking to one person. So, easily. Yeah, easily. easily. I find myself being a recipient of all the advice that I'm giving to other people, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, what happens if you know the person who abused the person as a child? Are you going to be going now causing trouble? No, you've got to take their advice. There's another friend I know who was abused by a woman. The first time she ever disclosed to people about being abused, people always assume it's a man. Oh, wow. And she's like, that makes me close up even more. Wow. And so suddenly I was being aware of like the pronouns of mm. the people that I was talking to. It's a continuous learning journey. And how incredible it is that people are coming forward it to is. you after, after seeing how you're handling it. I mean, it feels like an honour, doesn't that's it? That's great. Yeah. That's great. The one thing I'm really worried about with the more that this work gets public is how to respectfully deal with the, um, just the sheer volume of people who are coming forward mm. to me and like learning how to balance that space for myself versus that space and support for others. I'm a trained mental health um, first aider, but that's it. Like yeah. I don't have any formal professional, yeah. like where are my boundaries and where can I start to direct people in other directions? And I'm continually trying to find where those are because again, I'm, I have lived the experience, but I'm not a professional. I'm not an academic. Yeah. Um, so if somebody messages me and he's asking for advice, I often signpost them or ask them to look for a local charity or organisation that can advise them on that yeah. thing. Thank you for listening. Jeremy, thanks for coming along. Thank you. Where can we find you and find more about your work? So everything is on my website, jeremyindica.com. Please come and have a look at the work that we're doing. We're constantly evolving, bringing these subjects onto the main platform and trying to discuss them in interesting ways. All we ask is that we, you just share this with one person because you will be so amazed at the sorts of conversations that could come out. I really want to leave you with a thought about how you would respond if someone came to you with a situation like this, both if you are a victim yourself or if you've never experienced this before. What would you do? What would you think about? Just so you can be prepared in case it does happen to you and have a lovely day. Thank you. If you want more bite-sized content, we also have a webisode version of this episode called The Secrets Out, which focuses on more do's and don'ts for your own conversation. Find us on YouTube or by going to www.secretsworthsharing.com.